Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. The 188th edition of the Four Corners Podcast starts right now. From the Basketball Podcast Network, this is the Four Corners Podcast. We win! 20 seconds left to play. Goes back to Michael Jordan. Jumper from out on the left. Good! Fred Brown looking. Oh, way to Worthy! Worthy five! The Tar Heels are going to win the national championship! Weber front court. Carolina with foul. He takes the timeout. Technical They're out foul. of timeout. Technical foul. Technical foul on Michigan. They're out of timeout. And the party is ready to begin on Franklin Street. Gets it back out to head. Long outside shot. Short rebounded. May. It's over. Carolina has won the national championship. 89-72. And how about them Tar Heels? They are the national champions. Pump fake for three. Too strong on the shot. That's it. The Tar Heels are the national gadgum champions. Love guarded by Keels, gets a screen, pulls up for three. Got it! Caleb Brooks straight away! Here are your hosts, Josh Marlowe and Anthony Pagnotta. Hello and welcome to another edition of the Four Corners Podcast. We are powered by Carolina Electrical Services. Josh and Anthony, we're back with you guys today. We're here to recap Carolina's 88-79 to win last night over Wake Forest in the Smith Center as Carolina improves to 10 and 5 on the season, they get to even in the ACC at 2 and 2. Um and, and buddy, th- this was a game that we knew Wake Forest was going to come in motivated. A lot like the game that played before ours, NC State and and Duke. NC State season was on the line last night. And they knew that, and they came out, and they put on a sensational performance as they routed the Blue Devils. The same was kind of for Wake Forest, where, you know, even with wins over Duke and Virginia Tech, two really good teams. This was a team that didn't show up on Joe Lenardi's, you know, 68-team bracket. A win like this would really help their case uh, as they try to build an NCAA resume or, or an NCAA tournament resume. So they came out, and they played – with the level of you know, with with the level of emotion, with the level of energy that Carolina, you know, I said it going into the game, you don't have to just match it, you have to exceed it. And the biggest worry was how would Carolina do that coming off of that disappointing loss at Pittsburgh at Pittsburgh last Friday. It took them about thirty minutes or so to really settle into the game, but the last ten minutes of, of that second half were as good as basketball as Carolina has played at any point in this season, including the wins over the College of Charleston, Ohio State, Michigan, and the like. Um, and, and Carolina, behind a big second half from R.J. Davis, career performances from Leaky Black and, and Seth Trimble get what might be a, a win that turns this season going in the right direction for Carolina. Yeah, and, and look, I think... It was that that loss to Pittsburgh definitely looking a lot better even as we sit here Four today. In the league. I mean that team is rolling right now. Just beat Virginia, uh, which which is no uh, small task. Virginia right now, I think, with where everything's at, probably the best team in the ACC. But you're right; it was interesting how you know for 
Wake Forest, because of how bad the rest of the ACC, I don't really know if it's bad because there are teams that are good in the ACC right now. They're just not the ones that we expected to be good. So, yeah, this felt like a really important game for Wake Forest. You saw a team that played like it was an important game, a team that you know, lived up to what we thought they were going to be. This was going to be a test for Carolina, especially, you know, on the defensive end of the floor. And I thought in the first half, they definitely struggled. But I thought that second half, I think Hubert Davis deserves a lot of credit for the adjustments that this that they made at halftime. Um, it, it clearly, you know, the guys on the floor stepped up and executed. But I think the coaching staff did a really good job you know, especially late in the game, leaning on the three-guard lineup. That was something that Hubert Davis said in the postgame they just had to go to because they just could not match up uh, with, you know, running the bigger lineup with what Wake Forest was putting out there on the floor. I thought that that definitely changed the game. And I thought on the offensive end of the floor, you saw, and, and I think a lot of the credit just goes to R.J. Davis himself, but you saw more of a focus to get the ball into the hands of the guard that was playing better basketball. You saw him step up and take over the game like, you know, we've been wanting him to do a little more often this season uh, as opposed to what we saw from him in his first uh, two years uh, at Carolina. And I, I think you're starting to feel pretty confident about uh, you know him and Armando Baycott. If those are your two guys that are leading the way for you, you feel pretty good about what they bring to the table. And on top of that, you then get the performance that you got from Leaky Black on the offensive end of the floor. Carolina's not in the game at halftime if he doesn't step up and play the way he did offensively in that first half. And then you get the effort off the bench from Seth Trimble. So all around, Pretty good performance from this group. You know, you throw in the fact that Pete Nance had to leave the game within the first two minutes, uh, basically leaving Carolina shorthanded in terms of big men. Jalen Washington had to play a lot early. Justin McCoy had to step in and play some for Carolina. I thought with all things considered, this is a really, really solid win for Carolina over the Demon Deacons. Yeah, and it was just something that Carolina, like – there aren't many times it's a must-win in January. It was a must-win for Wake Forest and their tournament hopes. And last night felt like a must-win for this Tar Heel team if they want to you know, transform and evolve into the team that they're still capable of being. They still have all the potential in the world to win this conference, to get back to the Final Four and win a national championship. But some things got to start improving. And in Leaky Black's first half where he scored you know, 14, 16 points, he tied his season high. He was sensational. The best part was, you know, they dared him to to make or to take outside shots, and he did. And then once they started closing in on him, he put the ball on the floor, got to the hoop, and really just did a lot of things good on offense. And you know, Carolina needed him because that that the the, the offense in the first half was still out of sorts because Caleb Love continues to struggle. He did only seven points last night. Three of fifteen from the field, one of seven from the three-point line. We're going to talk about his struggles a little bit later in the show. Let's take a look at the box score here for Carolina, and it's a rather pretty one. Uh, Carolina shot fifty-two percent from the field; they were thirty of fifty-eight. Um, Wake Forest, though, was also very efficient from the field; they were twenty-eight of fifty-seven for forty-nine percent. A three-point shooting, Carolina nine of twenty-four from behind the arc. This is a team that. 
is going to shoot the ball from deep well uh, at home. They're going to struggle away from the Smith Center. Uh, Wake Forest, though, they shot it extremely well, too. They were 10 of 21. A big difference in the game was the free throw shooting. Carolina, 19 of 24 from the charity stripe. That's 79%. Uh, Wake Forest was just 13 of 20. That six-point differential you know, played a really big part in the game. This was the biggest difference in the game, though. Uh, it was the turnovers. Carolina committed nine of them, and Wake Forest scored just eight points off of those. Meanwhile, 15 Wake Forest turnovers, and Carolina turned those into 32 points. And we lamented this in the preview that if Carolina didn't, you know, didn't force turnovers, we're going to have to question this team's defensive mindset. They did that, and they scored off of those. Uh, Carolina did get out-rebounded last night, 33-28, 23-21 on the defensive glass, and 10-7 on the offensive glass. I'll, I'll, I'll give them a pass in that category because of how well they shot the ball. At one point in the second half, they were shooting 82% from the field. There weren't misses to be— That's, you know, that's video game-like numbers. There, there, were, there weren't rebounds to be had, but— you know, something that they still are struggling in that department. Second chance point, 17-4, to four, Wake Forest. Bench points, even with uh, Trimble's 11, Carolina got outscored 22-15 to 15 off the bench, mainly because Davian Williamson scored 12 for the Deeks. Points in the paint was even at 34. Fast break points, 16-12, to 12, Carolina. Blocks, 5 to nothing, Carolina. Steals, 9-7, Carolina. Uh, Carolina had 12 assists on 30 made baskets. Wake Forest had 16 assists on their 28 made baskets. The game was tied nine different times. There were 20 different lead changes. All in all, Carolina led for 25 minutes and 43 seconds. Pittsburgh led for, or, or Wake Forest led for 10 minutes and 47 seconds. Let's move on now to our quote of the game. And we're going to go to Hubert Davis's press conference last night where he mentioned that three-guard lineup, and, 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 and as Anthony referenced, it was something that they had to do to match up better with Wake Forest. Working in. They, they, were, they, they were finding a way, and it was a straight ball screen or a double drag was the double ball screen, and they were, they were scoring at will. And so one of the things that they do is they find a play that's working, they'll, they'll, they'll continue to go back to it. And the lineup that we had in there, we, we just couldn't defend it. We had to go small. And so going small allowed us to be able to switch one through four and allowed us to be able to have a man-on-man, and it put us in a better position defensively. I, I think the thing I like about the most about that is that there was a clear adjustment that had to be made. And Hubert Davis made the adjustment. You know, I, I, I've i said during his year and a half as Carolina's head coach in a joking manner, but also being serious, you haven't earned the right to be stubborn. Like, Roy Williams had earned the right to play the way he wanted to play because of everything he had accomplished. Well, Hubert Davis hasn't done that. And so he needs to be more willing to be, you know, to adapt and, and make changes. And I think this is where having – you know, uh, a veteran coach like Jeff Lebo on his staff, and then a guy in, like Pat Sullivan who was in the NBA, it's easier to do so for a younger head coach when you have such experienced guys. And, you know, I think, and we'll, we'll talk about this too a little bit later, that might be a lineup that becomes Carolina's best lineup. It may not be the lineup that you start with. 
It may not even be the lineup that you close with, mm-hmm. but that might be the best lineup that Carolina uh, will put on the court at certain times. Um, as, as their depth, something that we've really lamented at times so far this season, really uh, came through in last night's victory. Let's go now to the stat of the game. This one's easy. It's the point. This the points off of turnovers. Thirty-two for Carolina, just eight for Wake Forest. That's a twenty-four point differential. That was reminiscent of what you saw last year when Carolina got blown out by Wake Forest in their building, where mm-hmm. Carolina just turned the ball over and Wake Forest just took it down and scored. And um, I think that's something that Wake Forest fans are probably the most frustrated with when they they look at their team, because Steve Forbes is a really good basketball coach. Their their execution off of inbound plays is as good as any team I've seen in college basketball this year. They've got really good guys in Tyree Appleby, Andrew Carr. Uh, Monsanto is really good. Williamson off the bench, really good. But all those guys turned the ball over last night. And I I think the thing that was even more impressive was Carolina put the full-court press out three or four times. Like, that was the most impressive thing I thought, was Carolina, without pressing – which still didn't make a whole lot of sense, still forced the amount of turnovers that you needed to force to give your team a good chance to win the game. Well, I thought one of the things that they did, you noticed when they did press, they did it a few times, and I thought almost every time that they did it, it led to turnovers on the following possessions. It it, it usually led to a turnover down the floor, on the possession where you pressed. But even after that, it just seemed to it, it it scrambled what Wake Forest was doing offensively because it was just a different look. So I thought they used it strategically very well. Uh, I'm with you. You probably want to see it a little bit more because again, every time that I want to see it for 40 it, minutes. Every time that they've run it it's worked out. It's worked out well for them. It's good. Like they're not. They're they're not pressing for forty minutes. No one in modern modern basketball will press for forty minutes. It's just uh, that's that's what it is. My team will whenever I become the head coach. Well, I mean, it's going to be hard to get three year olds to understand what a press is when they're playing on a little tight goal. It's so. it's really not. But like like my thing is that like they're actually good at it. Like when Roy Williams would do it, that was that was him waving the white flag. That was, hey, we're gonna try this because he didn't believe in it. They didn't practice it very well or very much. They weren't very good at it. They're good at this, and so I I, I just think it's really hard to watch. You'd have so, and, and sometimes it's not even you force a turnover. There was a possession that Wake Forest got into their offensive action with ten seconds on the shot clock. 40 feet away from the basket. Yeah, no, I mean, forcing the issue was definitely something that I think changed the momentum that Wake Forest had offensively. I mean, look at the po- look at the point w- which, you know, was initiated by Caleb Love. Carolina was, was rolling. He takes a, a few ill-advised shots. All of a sudden, Wake Forest gets up 58-52, and I think we all kind of had the same thought. Oh, here we go again. This is basically the pit game all over again. And Carolina throws the full court press out. And from that point on, Wake Forest turns the basketball over multiple times. Carolina in transition, able to finish. That was huge. And look, I didn't I didn't even notice this coming into the game because we didn't really dive into game by game. It's, it's, it's rare sometimes that we get to go game by game with some of the opponents that you're facing. But in games that 
they turn the ball over less than 13 times. Wake Forest is 6-1. and one. In games that they turn the ball over 13-plus times now, including last night, they're 4-4. Four and four. So it's a big part. Not only was it a big thing for Carolina to be able to force turnovers because that's what allows them to have success, that's one of the things that Wake Forest has had so much yep. trouble overcoming. So I think that was one of the things that – Hubert Davis and this staff probably drilled home, be you know, be aggressive on that defensive end of the floor. And I thought when you talk about the lineup change, bringing in Seth Trimble, who, by the way, probably the second best defender on this team. I mean, I think he's right behind Leaky Black. The way that it, the the energy that he brings on that end of the floor, his ability to stay in front of guys for the most part. I mean, he's going to have some mistakes, but he's he's. A, a true freshman, this dude, this dude's got it mm-hmm. on that end of the floor. And that's why you're going to see more of him moving forward. I, I thought that was, even in the second half, really early on they 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 were letting them kind of match them blow for blow. But I thought when it mattered the most, they th- this team showed up defensively and made the plays that they needed to. One thing to note also, Carolina, by the under-12 timeout, had committed six turnovers last night. They finished the game with nine. Um, and so they just got, and a lot of it, like the biggest issue was that they were just lackadaisical, carefree, loose with the ball. And seven of those nine came from Leaky Black and Caleb Love. Your other two turnovers, Seth Trimble and, and DeMarco Dunn. So good job by RJ and Armando Baycott because they were the, you know, the focal point of the offense in that second half to not turn the basketball over. Not the first time we've seen that too. They got to, that, that's something that, I think Hubert has to sit down and talk to these guys about. Remember, that was one of the big issues in the game against Virginia Tech where they turned it over just a bunch at the start of the game. It kind of put them behind the eight ball, and it didn't really set them back too far last night. But if you don't turn the ball over that often early on, I mean, are you are you rolling with a comfortable lead for most of the half? Like, that's that's something that they've definitely got to, they've got to see if they can find a solution to that when they start games off. We're going to take a quick break. We're going to get you this week's ad from DraftKings. and we come back, more takeaways, more analysis from Carolina's win over Wake Forest right here on the Four Corners Podcast. Back after this message from DraftKings. The NBA season is heating up, and there are still so many games coming up. Like if you're a local fan of the Charlotte Hornets, the 76ers are in town. The Minnesota Timberwolves are in town. Or if you're a Knicks fan like me, there's a lot of games coming up as we get ready or as we continue to make our way through the NBA season where you can make plenty bets on the association. When I'm looking to get in on the action, I bet with DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. New customers can bet just $5 pregame money lines on any NBA team to win their game and get $150 in free bets if they do. Check this out, guys. Right now, everyone can earn up to a 100% boost with DraftKings stepped-up same-game parlays. Go to DraftKings. Go, go to the DraftKings Sportsbook app now, place a same-game parlay, and combine multiple bets like which team will win, total rebounds, and more. 
the more the more you add, the bigger the boost, the bigger your shot to win. So whether you're betting on just a straight up win, or how many you know threes Steph Curry is going to have, or how many rebound uh, rebounds Joel Embiid is going to have, you can place all those bets and parlays at DraftKings Sportsbook. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use the promo code TBPN. Place a five dollar pregame money line bet on any on on any NBA team to win their game and get a one hundred and fifty dollars in free bets if they do. That's promo code TBPN only at DraftKings Sportsbook. Minimum age and eligibility restrictions do apply. See show notes for details. Really hope you guys are taking great advantage of all the good offers I've been giving you here on the Four Corners podcast. Same for Anthony over there on the Heel Tough blog podcast. And the first thing we got to get to is is that three guard lineup. Um, as you mentioned, Carolina was trailing fifty six to fifty two with fourteen minutes and nine seconds left to go in the game when Huber Davis went to that lineup predominantly. Uh, Carolina would outscore uh, Wake Forest thirty six to twenty three the rest of the way. And, and I think the thing about it is you have three guards on the floor. So that means you have an, an extra ball handler. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and Seth Trimble, you know, has to learn when to go and when to not go. But in terms of just getting Carolina into his offense, has done a really solid job here as a freshman. And R.J. Davis, you know, can play off the ball. And, and Caleb loves at his best when he's playing off the ball. You, you put Leaky Black at the four. And then you have Armando Baycott at the five. So now Carolina's, their floor spacing is better on the offensive end. And defensively, they just match up very well with, with – with, it's not just Wake Forest. That's virtually how, you know, you want to match up with teams moving forward the rest of the way with the way that teams play offense in the modern era of college basketball. And, you know, look, I – I'm not saying that Seth Trimble needs to be a starter because I'm not I'm, I'm not calling for that. I still think, you know, Pete Nance has a role on this team. But I do think that is a lineup that Hubert Davis needs to go to more often. And whether it's Mondo at the five or Pete Nance at the five, it just the game came easier offensively for Carolina because mm-hmm. the, the, the lane wasn't clogged. And the biggest reason why is because Leaky Black – you have to now respect his offense. It's not consistent, but look, Wake Forest dared him to make some three-pointers last night, and he did. Mm-hmm. And then once he did that, they had to close in on him, and he had the ability and the awareness to put the ball on the floor and, and attack the, the the rim. He had back-to-back you know, and-one opportunities there. So, um, like I said, I don't think this is a lineup that Carolina necessarily starts with or closes with. But this has got to be a part of the formula in the middle of important parts of the game that would lean toward Carolina winning because I think their 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 offense comes easier and they can defend a lot better because as Hubert Davis said they could switch everything a lot more easily last night. Well, they look they played it a lot, you know. At the end, I mean, they played it for the final fourteen minutes of the game, and I think they were trying to get a lineup similar to this against Pittsburgh. I think that's why you saw DeMarco Dunn out there for as long as you did. I think it was just they got they put the wrong guard out there. They, you know, for some reason did not think that Seth Trimble was ready to handle that role in the game against Pittsburgh, but apparently they they saw enough from him to throw him out there this time around and I thought it worked out great. And I think you're right. 
Could you start games with it? Yeah, at some point, like there are some teams that are going to stretch you out that are going to play, you know, pretty much the the you know four round one that eventually you're you're hearing Huber Davis wants to get to. So those teams, yeah, if they're going to start games out like that, then go ahead and throw this out there. I wouldn't be shocked if they do that, and it shouldn't be a slight to Pete Nance. It's just a matchup. Thing. So I think don't don't completely rule that out. But look, he played 22 minutes last night. Seth Trimble did 11 points. He was four of four from the field. He was he played an incredibly smart basketball game. He knew when to take shots. He knew when he needed to look for his offense. And and at other times he was just looking to move the move the ball to help this team defensively. Like this was a guy that really looked like he knew what his role was. And I think at times this year, something that you've seen from a lot of these guys, even some of the starters, is they don't really know exactly what their role is on this team. Seth Trimble figured out what it was last night and looked great handling that throughout the night. And who knows how long we're going to have to see. This This could be the starting lineup in the next game because we have no idea what the status of Pete Nance is. Yeah. Um. So I, I think you, you are – you should be very encouraged by what you saw here because this is more of what Hubert Davis is going to want to play. Remember, we were having the conversation about the possible reclassification of Elliot Cadu, and what does that do with Simeon Wilcher coming in as well? Seth what Trimble's still going to be there. For you? There you go. And R.J. Davis, you know, probably still being back next year. I, so, yeah, I, I, I think – This should be really encouraging to a lot of people. And I think just overall, the different lineups that they rolled out there. I know he wasn't great. He picked up some fouls early uh, in his first stint on the floor. But I thought Jalen Washington handled himself pretty well, especially for being thrown into the game when he had to. Justin McCoy, I thought, played well in 17 minutes because he was... He was was an unsung hero last night because I thought his defense, it was just the effort. And it was the energy. Right. And, and, and look, the the issue with him is the same issue that you usually have with Leakey and the same issue you usually have with Puff, is that he limits you on offense. But if he does all the li- the other little things, like close out on a shooter, grab rebounds, or do whatever, that's, you know, th- th- then you live with that. And I, I thought that last, well, what, with him last night, that was a testament to to those to those guys who haven't played still being engaged. Because Schubert Davis yep. said in his post game interview with Jones Angel, every guy is going to have a chance when you play for me. I just don't know when that chance is going to be, but I'm going to give you a chance. And so who knows, maybe last night Justin McCoy did carve out a little bit more in the rotation because they trusted him more last night than they trusted Puff Johnson. Puff only got 4 minutes. Right. You didn't see Dontrez Styles at all. DeMarco Dunn only played three minutes. And so I think that's the thing, though, that Hubert Davis has got to – I think that's something that I think is a lot more frustrating than we probably would have thought. I think we would have thought by now our rotation would have been set. Well, I, I thought somebody somebody brought this point up, and I don't remember who it was. I'll just take the credit for it. Well, somebody said that one of the big – one of the things that they wonder is this sort of that NBA approach that Hubert is taking towards things where each game – you're going to have different guys that are going to help you in the rotation. So, like in terms of establishing a consistent, uh, you know, a, a consistent role, 
it may not seem like guys are doing that at times. There will be certain guys. Like, to me, I'd be shocked if you don't see Seth Trimble as one of the first guys off the bench consistently moving forward. Puff Johnson will probably still be involved, but they will strategically use a guy like Justin McCoy or Jalen Washington if they need him. Those are the types of guys that, you know, we we thought, okay, somebody from that group would emerge. DeMarco Dunn in there as well. We thought somebody would emerge and become that consistent guy, but this could just be what it is, is based on, you know, the, the the matchup that you have. And also, I think the other thing that he really puts stock into is based on who's stepping up and, and, and doing what they have to do during that, you know, time in between games in practice. Are you showing what you need to show you know, during practice, or did you, you know, take a couple of days off? Well, then you're not going to play. The, the the biggest issue with trying to run it like an NBA type of rotation is in the NBA you play three, four games in a, in a week. Mm-hmm. So it's a lot easier to you know for guys to still stay engaged because you know at some point they know they're going to play. You play twice a week in college at the most, and so I think that's why you know if 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 I had to have a preference, I'd much have a much more refined rotation, but. Mm-hmm. If we're being honest, at this point last year, Carolina still didn't have a rotation, and 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 things ended up working out for the best for the most part, really really good. Uh, R.J. Davis's second half, maybe that's what springboards his season. He scored 22 points, made four three pointers. Um, he scored 27 overall last night, a season high. He was nine of 14 from the field, five of eight from three, four boards, four assists. That's the most efficient game he's had all season long. And the biggest reason why was he was on the ball. And, look, he's a he's a guy that I do think with Seth Trimble or Ellie Cadu next year, he could play really good off the ball. But when, in terms of for him getting his shot and, and getting his offense, he needs the ball in his hands. He also scored or he totaled over 1,000 points last night for his Tar Heel career, mm-hmm. the 81st Tar Heel to do such, uh, such, uh, such a, a feat. That's the most – in uh in, in in college basketball so a nice feat for him um also by the way with him you mentioned seven turnovers between Caleb Love and Leaky Black he did not have a single one in this game four assists i thought not only did he score the ball really well i thought he moved the basketball mm-hmm. extremely well set this carolina offense up that's why we want him as the primary ball handler. Let's go ahead and have the Caleb Love discussion that that has to be had. Yeah. Uh, yep. <laughs> and and this is really just coming from it, it's it's not a place of it, it's really just a place of frustration. It, it's not that I don't like Caleb. It's not that I don't think he can be a good ball player because I think he can. For whatever reason, that's not happening right now. Whether he's pressing. I, there, there's something that is disconnecting him from being the guy we saw in March last year and the guy we've gotten so far this season. Just seven more points last night, or seven points last night, three of 15 shooting, one of seven from the field, and he played 38 minutes. And I tweeted this out. Hubert Davis has to come to the realization that it is okay to bench players because this guy took three straight ill-advised shots on three consecutive uh, on three consecutive possessions because he was trying to get his offense going. Well, they were three misses that led to points the other way from Wake Forest, and Carolina saw a seven-point lead turn into a one-point deficit 
in about a minute. And that was in the first half. Yeah. Then he has the stretch in the second half where Carolina is up. They were exchanging baskets right at the from the word go to begin the half. It was 51-50 and he takes a hor- he takes just a horrible shot. Completely out of the flow of the offense. He just jacks one up from behind the arc. And after that, Wake Forest goes on the run and eventually has a six-point lead. He did it two different times in the game where the offense was the second time they were rolling. The first time they weren't exactly rolling, but they were still scoring when they needed to. It's just, I, I mean, it's so, it makes no sense why he is doing what he's doing. And not to mention, early in the game, you talked about the early turnovers. He was a big reason why. All four of his turnovers came in that in that early stretch where Carolina just turned the ball over, what did you say it was, six times mm. in the first eight minutes of the game. Four of them were from him. Like, I mean, at a time, you just have to ask yourself, is he really helping? And I get it. Because what people are going to say in in response to it, if you're looking at the devil's advocate of this, is, well, look at the shot that he hit late in the game. Okay? that's Big a shot. It, that's a fair point. And that's what he's done so much throughout his career. The problem is, is that when you're in the middle of these games, there are times where he can almost take you out of a game because of what he is doing on the offensive mm-hmm. end. Because he's turning the ball over. And to me... My frustration with it last night was I thought even in the first half, because I thought Seth Trimble was better in the second half, but even in the first half, I thought Trimble showed you enough where you could validate saying, hey, man, if he, if if Caleb's struggling here in this second half, we're going to take him out and we're going to put we're going to put Trimble in. Well, my thing is that he did that in the Georgia Tech game. He literally just took him out because he was playing bad. And Carolina ended that half that first half on 11-0 run and put the game away. Remember, he also came out in the second half and hit a couple of big shots after being put on the bench. And so, like, Hubert Davis has to come to a place as a coach and realize that, look, it's not that you don't trust him, but, and I get what he's doing. He's trying to get himself going because when he gets going, he's he's a really tough player to guard. But him forcing his own offense and forcing and, and trying to impact the game and is and, and when it's and it's becoming a negative and there's no repercussion, well guess what? It's never gonna click in his head that what he's doing is hurting his teammates. It's hurting his team's chances to win the game. And so look, Carolina needs him. Like if this team is gonna win an ACC championship, if they're gonna make a final four, they're gonna need Caleb Love to be the type of player that he is capable of being. But until that guy comes back, you've got to put the handcuffs on him. Like they were saying last on the broadcast, he has a green light. Well, right now he shouldn't. He should have a yellow light. Shoot with caution because right now you're taking bad shots. A blue wait a second. Is this a is this a a a solid yellow or a blinking yellow? No, this no, this is I think it's a blinking yellow. If you've got the if you've got, I mean, literally there has to be no – this is like when you're sitting at the stoplight and you can see like two miles down the road. There literally has to be nobody coming for you to take the shot. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I just it, – it's it's so weird because you don't want to completely ruin his confidence, throw him on the bench. Like, that's the thing. We're not saying don't start him. That's 
that's probably I mean that's that might be a little bit too far. You also got to be tough enough and and be understanding enough that if you get benched, there's a reason it's not coming from a place of hatred. Yes. It's from the fact that Seth Trimble's playing really well and you're not and the object is to win the game. Well, here's my biggest thing about putting him on the bench and I think when people think that when we talk about putting a guy on the bench I think people think that we're saying put him all the way down at the end of the bench and just sit him there no idea no we're, we're talking about bring him put him on the bench so that he can be coached like yeah. he's making the same mistakes over and over again put him on the bench let him settle down and let the let, let the coaching staff Hubert whoever come over and say hey man look this is what you're doing wrong you're forcing the issue here this is why you're turning the ball over. There was a point last night, coachable moment. For some reason, he tries to split a double team and leaves his feet. Keep in mind, this is still like this is still like 20 feet from the basket. What are you What are you doing by leaving your feet there? I mean, you're, it's either going to be a turnover trying to split the guys; they're going to strip you, or. You're jumping in the air. You have to do something something with the ball. You're going to turn it over trying to force a bad pass. Mm-hmm. So, like, that's a moment where bring them over and let's coach them up a little bit. And that's – you just don't – right now you haven't seen a lot of those moments. There's a lot of credit that needs to be given to Hubert Davis for what he did last night by putting out the three-guard lineup. But there's also some criticism in moments like that, especially in that first half where I think you could have settled Caleb down – and he might have been able to have a more successful night rather than just leaving him out there. He plays 17 minutes and a half where he's struggling, and it just seemed to kill his confidence for the whole game. I do want to touch on Carolina's defense, and not not as a whole because, I mean, Wake Forest did score 79 points. They shot 49% from the field, 48% from three. But the biggest key we had going into the game was limit Tyree Appleby's impact on the game. 16 points, so, so so two points below his season average. He was just thir- uh, 33% from the field, 5 of 15. That's 12% below his average. He did make three of five threes, just three of six from the f- from the free throw stripe. He had four rebounds, nine assists. But I, I, I really thought Carolina did a really good job just making him work for his offense. Mm-hmm. He, look, he made two three-pointers off of – uh, off of inbound plays, and another one that was a three, uh, was a three originally, then ruled a two. <laughs> that that were just like there's nothing you can do about it. That, that that's a good player making a really good shot. But outs, I mean, and and that was the thing was they made him, they made him work for his 16 points. And, and we look that you you made the other guys beat you. And look, Carr almost did, Monsanto almost did, Davian Williamson almost did. But guess what? Almost only counts in in horseshoes and hand grenades. It, it it doesn't matter on a basketball court. And I think that's something that Carolina's got to be be start becoming a lot better of, is. They've gotten beaten in some of these games earlier this year where they've allowed that one guy to dictate and control the game. You can't let that happen. And, look, this ACC is wide open. It is, it is, it's, it's, it's up for grabs. It has been turned upside down by the starts of Pitt, Clemson, and, 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 and the likes of NC State. So when you play those teams, you've got to take away their best players and make their other guys beat you. Because if, if their other guys beat you, it's not that it makes it okay, mm-hmm. but it's it's an easier pill to swallow. If Appleby would have came in there and had a 30-piece 
and beaten and, and, and would have led Wake Forest to a win, it would have been a really hard thing to swallow because I think Carolina can be a really good defensive team. Last night you played against a team that you know runs really good offense and you ran really good offense. And we knew it was going to be a shootout. Like, we knew this game had first one to 80, 85 written all over it. That would that turned out to be correct. Carolina was the first one to get to 80. They win the game. But um, I was really impressed with the way they, they guarded Tyree Appleby to get what feels like an important ACC win at home. So, um, with that. Also, guy- by the way, Cameron Hildreth, who came in playing extremely well, averaging double figures scoring. He had two points the entire night, also came in leading them in rebounding. We talked about the rebounding overall. Carolina, not great, gets out-rebounded in this game. He was their leading rebounder, only had one rebound the entire game, though. So taking him out of the game was huge. His minutes were weird, only played 20 minutes, so a different lineup last night from Steve Forbes, but they did limit his impact, and and that's what Carolina's got to start doing. You've got the type of guys, you've got the type of talent to limit the impact of others. They did that last night, and that's a big reason why they emerged from this game victorious. What is going to wrap up this edition of the show? But before we let you go, we do encourage you guys to visit the website, HeelToughBlog.com, where I'm continuing to take you through the basketball season as we become more basketball-focused on the website. Go back and check out the recap of last night's win over at Wake Forest. As for football, uh, there is a offensive lineman that decided to go to the NFL. Anthony tells you who that is and then breaks down his chances to, to be drafted in the 2023 NFL draft. As He'll keep you up to date on the football news that trickles in and out as Carolina football is now fully in off-season mode. As for the podcast, guys, you know where to find us. Every major podcasting platform, just simply search the Four Corners podcast and we will pop up. We encourage you guys to rate and review the podcast, but more importantly, guys, we want you to hit that subscribe button. That way you don't miss any editions of the show throughout the remainder of the basketball season. Well, with that, guys, this is going to wrap up this edition of the show. I do want to thank Anthony for hosting with me. want to thank you guys for listening. And as always, go Tar Heels. It just doesn't get any sweeter than